Coming to you live from the basement of an abandoned house in the middle of a field, it's the Derek Izzy Show. Making history his story, Derek Izzy. Thank you and welcome. You are listening to the Derek Izzy Show. Today's show is brought to you by IzzyRacketball.com. Visit IzzyRacketball.com. Take advantage of a special discount just for listeners to the Derek Izzy podcast. Find the items you want, click through into checkout, and use code IZZY10, and you will get 10% off your order. That's a little thank you from the Derek Izzy show. IzzyRacketball.com. If you're not a racquetball player, then I'd recommend checking out the shoes. Ectalon and Prince make a wide variety of athletic shoes, and they're carried on IzzyRacketball.com. Court shoes, indoor, outdoor shoes, most sizes are available, and the style is something very different. Since the shoes carried on the website are not mainstream brands, you will see that the styles are very different from what you might find in today's shoe stores. So check them out. Use Izzy10 to get 10% off your order. So today's show is episode number 50 of the Derek Izzy Show. I want to thank everybody who has been listening and been with us since the journey that started back in 2014. We've come a long way, seen several website changes, changes to the format, sponsors have come and gone. Always remember that if you want a current list of sponsors, go to the website, DerekIzzy.com, and you will see what discounts are current and all the valid sponsors that we continue to work with to bring you, listeners of the Derek Izzy Show, discounts on good quality products. As I mentioned on previous shows, submit your five-star review and you could be selected to have it read on the air by my announcer, Moses Ronald. And without further ado, Serena from Pennsylvania has this to say about the Derek Izzy Show. Moses. Moses. Moses, read the review. Nice pacing and interesting story. All right. Thank you, Moses. That was Serena's review from Pennsylvania. Derek Izzy Show now with episode 50, building an audience of listeners all over the world. If you'd like your review read on the air, write us a five-star review on iTunes and feel free to list whatever details you want in the review, such as your name and location, and we'll get that possibly on the air if you're selected. Since we do record all the episodes in advance, today's episode will give you a recap of the most downloaded episodes of the podcast of all time. 
We will go back, give you the top five of all time, and then the top three of 2017. If you'd like to listen to them again, maybe you've forgotten about them, or if you're new to the show and don't know which episode to listen to first, this is always a good guideline to go with one of the most downloaded episodes because then you know that a lot of people have already listened to it and the interest is going to be there. First, to give you some insight, the most downloaded month of 2017, the month where we got the single most downloads was December. Go figure, every year it seems to be a different month. Usually it's the summertime when we hit the higher numbers, but in 2017 it was the month of December that topped the record for downloads. Now your top three for the year of 2017, coming in at the number three spot, The Art of the Duel, that was released on February of 2017. The number two most downloaded show of 2017 was The Spiritualistic Fox. That was our March 1st download. The number one most downloaded episode of the Derek Izzy Show for 2017. Drum roll, please. The Wendell Trump of Donald Wilkie. That was our January 1st episode of 2017. And now, coming in for the top five all-time most downloaded shows of the Derek Izzy Show, number five. Number five, wow. Only one download separates number four from number five. That is that is insanely close for the number of times these shows have been downloaded for just one episode difference. Number five, released August 1st, 2014, A Singer Suicide. Number four, released on January 1st, 2015, with one more downloaded episode than number five. Number four is Bloodbath. Number three, released October 1st, 2016, Murdered and Missing in Oklahoma. Number two, released April 1st, 2014, The Airline Rant. And the number one most downloaded episode of The Derek Izzy Show of all time. This has been the number one most downloaded episode since we've been doing the show. It was the very first episode of The Derek Izzy Show a new kind of family released on January 1st, 2014. And just to give you a little bit of an update, why that show holds the number one spot, it has been downloaded almost twice as much as the number two most downloaded show. So that gives you a recap. If you're looking for an episode that you haven't heard, you might want to check out those top five because everybody loves them. And now the topic of today's podcast. The topic of today's podcast was born in 1857. While his actual birth date is kind of unknown, I was able to trace his roots back to a small town in Missouri. He was orphaned as a very young child, and he was pretty much raised by his uncle and his aunt until he turned 17. At the age of 17... He left Missouri and headed southwest. What skills could a 17-year-old have in the 1800s? What would lead him to set out exploring? Well, the topic of our podcast 
was very skilled as a marksman. He was a decent shot, and he knew the land pretty well. He had skills as a ranch hand, and back in the 1800s, that was a very marketable skill. He could travel around the southwest area of the United States, Texas, Colorado, Oklahoma, Kansas, Midwest as well, and work on different ranches. After heading down to New Mexico in 1877, the topic of our podcast made acquaintances with an attorney, Alexander McSween, and John Tunstall. Working with these gentlemen, the topic of our podcast was a ranch hand. Spent most of his time working on Tunstall's ranch in New Mexico. This ranch achieved fame by being home to the group that the topic of our podcast joined, the group of ranch hands known as the Regulators, the most famous regulator being known as Billy the Kid. While Billy the Kid is not the topic of today's podcast, the topic of our podcast did run with Billy the Kid and was a very close friend from all I could find in my research. Now, one of the rumors about the topic of our podcast is that the reason why he ended up fleeing to New Mexico is that he had shot and killed someone during his travels through Texas. Now, I was unable to find any credible evidence that this actually happened. So back in the mid to late 1800s, it was actually quite common for arguments to break out and somebody to pull a gun and shoot and kill the other person. There were marshals and sheriffs who tried to enforce the law and keep people under control, but things like that just happened back then. And oftentimes, if there weren't any witnesses or if the people involved were not well known, then incidents like that could go unreported quite easily. So while I wasn't able to find any real evidence that the topic of our podcast actually did kill someone in Texas and fled Texas for New Mexico, it's still quite possible that that actually may be what happened. So once in New Mexico, working for John Tunstall as one of the regulators on his ranch, Sheriff William Brady put a posse together to go after John Tunstall. Tunstall and some of his men were driving cattle from his ranch in New Mexico over to Lincoln County. Now, at the time, the sheriff had a seize by legal authority order, which technically allowed him to seize the property of John Tunstall. But there's more to this story. The rumor behind this is that two wealthy businessmen who were threatened by Tunstall's success had bribed the sheriff. The sheriff put a posse together and went on the hunt. They were able to track down John Tunstall and murder him. Because the sheriff had this seized by legal authority order, the killing was technically legal and justified. John Tunstall's regulators were not happy with this result. And that's where the topic of today's podcast comes in. The justice of the peace in the town of Lincoln his name was John Wilson, he issued warrants for the arrest of Tunstall's killers. He appointed several of the regulators and deputized them to execute this warrant. The regulators set out to track down and avenge the murder of their employer. The first person they tracked down was Sheriff William Brady. 
Now, while Brady was not the actual trigger man who killed John Tunstall, he was definitely responsible for getting the whole posse together. So he was the first person that they killed. Next was a man called Buckshot Roberts. He was another suspected posse member. The regulators killed him. Now, upon killing a sheriff, even though they did have warrants giving them the power and they were deputized, they did kill Sheriff Brady. So now, these regulators are fugitives. They all went into hiding. A posse was formed to now capture and kill the regulators because they are now fugitives after murdering a sheriff, Sheriff Brady. One of Tunstall's partners, Alexander McSween, had a home where everyone could hide out at. The topic of our podcast wasn't actually at the home when all this took place, but he was nearby, hiding in a grain warehouse that was behind the property. A firefight broke out at the home of Alexander McSween. With guns firing back and forth, bullets going through windows, going through walls, going through doors, And then the posse set the house on fire. After hours and hours of gunshots exchanged, Sheriff Brady's men set fire to Alexander McSween's house. McSween ran in terror from the fire. He managed to make it through the flames, only to be shot down. While his death marked the end of the conflict between the regulators and Sheriff Brady's posse, it did not mark the end of the topic of our podcast. After living through that gunfight, the topic of our podcast decided to head towards the Midwest. He spent some time in Texas, where he got a job as a marshal, and he also served as constable. His wicked temper and his ability to pick a fight with anyone in a bar made his career as a sheriff rather short-lived. He spent some time in Oklahoma and then headed off to Kansas. It was in Caldwell, Kansas in 1882 where the topic of our podcast became the marshal. He was somewhat of a local hero. He was a very strict marshal, didn't put up with any crap from anyone, and he was not afraid to kill someone who was breaking the law. This really gained the respect of the people that he was deputized to protect. Next step in his career, he meets a woman and becomes married. Going from being a member of a posse that was engaged in several firefights, driving cattle, and leading an exciting and dangerous life, to becoming a marshal and now in charge of protecting everyone seemed to be the type of smooth transition for the topic of today's podcast, but it wasn't enough to keep him satisfied. He bought a home, has a new wife, and he was living a kind of normal average life until his vices crept in. He started gambling and living way above his means. This behavior pretty much went unknown to the people he was serving. For all they knew, he was a family man and a pillar of the community. The town of Caldwell presented him with an engraved Winchester rifle. This turned out to be one of his prized possessions. As his debt 
from living above his means and gambling was looming over his head, he decided to get together with a couple of his colleagues and head over to Medicine Lodge in what seemed like it would be a quick, get-rich plan. He and his associates decided to rob a bank. Now, they had a simple plan going into this bank robbery, but it did not go as planned. There was a coal shed behind the bank. Now, their plan was to have a lookout watching the horses near that coal shed. While this was going on, the others would walk quickly over to the bank. Two men would enter through the side door, and a third would come through the front. The plan was to go into the bank, brandish the weapons, have the bank tellers surrender the money, and then rush to the horses and head back home before anyone knew what had happened. Now they planned this to happen early in the morning right when the bank had opened, and it had been raining, so there were no customers in the bank. But the robbery did not go as planned. Now, the details of who did what are a little bit unclear, but based on my research, what follows is what I have deemed to be fairly accurate. The topic of our podcast was elected to come through the front door. He came in with his engraved Winchester given to him by the township of Caldwell. He tells the bankers to get their hands in the air. This is a robbery. They don't comply. The bank president happens to be seated at his desk where he keeps a pistol. He reaches for his pistol and the topic of our podcast swings his Winchester rifle into action and shoots the bank president. The bank clerk running towards the safe is fired upon. He manages to stagger to the back of the bank and trigger the vault code. Then he collapses on the floor, dying from his gunshot wounds. Several townspeople are outside the bank and are alerted to the chaos going on inside. They rush for help. A posse of local armed citizens is then formed to save the bank. The bank robbers storm out the front door, head for their horses, firing at the locals that are coming after them. They get on their horses and try to make an exit. The posse is chasing after them. Weapons are being fired. They make it two and a half miles out of town, and one of the horses collapses. This outlaw is quickly grabbed by his partner, saddles up on his partner's horse, and now down one horse, they try and make their escape. The posse of townspeople quickly catches up to them and surrounds them. Upon surrounding them, it is discovered that one of them is the topic of our podcast, the Marshal of Caldwell. The posse takes their captured bank robbers and puts them in jail. It's during this visit in jail, in Medicine Lodge, that the topic of today's podcast writes a letter to his new bride, having only been married to her for about six weeks. Here's what his letter said. It says, Darling wife, I am in jail here. Four of us tried to rob the bank here, and one man shot one of the men in the bank. I want you to come see me as soon as you can. I will send you all of my things, and you can sell them, but keep the Winchester. 
It is hard for me to write this letter, but it was all for you, my sweet wife, and for the love I have for you. Do not go back on me. If you do, it will kill me. Be true to me as long as you live, and come to see me if you think enough of me. My love is just the same as it always was. Oh, how I did hate to leave you last Sunday evening. But I did not think this would happen. I thought we could take in the money and not have any trouble with it. But a man's fondest hopes are sometimes broken with trouble. We would not have been arrested, but one of our horses gave out, and we could not leave him alone. I do not know what to write. Do the best you can with everything. I want you to send me some clothes. Sell all the things you don't need. Have your picture taken and send it to me. Now, my dear wife, go and see Mr. Witzelben and Mr. Nice and get the money. If a mob does not kill us, we will come out all right after a while. I did not shoot anyone and didn't want the others to kill anyone, but they did, and that is all there is about it. Now, my darling wife, goodbye. Upon finishing this letter, the topic of our podcast realized that there was an angry mob forming outside the jail. They could hear the crowd chanting, Hang them! Hang them! Hang them! And they realized that death was imminent. Now the topic of our podcast was shackled to another prisoner by a leg iron. And that prisoner was able to remove that. Then the topic of our podcast tied the loose end of the leg iron to his leg with his bandana. That way he could actually run. They were planning to escape. The two other Inmates were handcuffed together. One was able to slip his handcuff over his small hand, resulting in him breaking free. So now, all four prisoners are able to move unencumbered. Around nine o'clock, the lynch mob showed up. They opened the door to the jail. As soon as the door was opened, the prisoners broke through. They made a run for it. One prisoner ran about a hundred yards before being horribly wounded in a barrage of gunfire. Two other prisoners made it free but were captured by the mob. The topic of our podcast, he was the first one to make it out of the jail and he was almost blown in half by shotgun blasts. This outlaw marshal from the 1800s was none other than Henry Newton Brown. If you'd like to learn more about Henry's life and tragic death, the movie Young Guns was partially based on his life. Look it up on Netflix or wherever you rent movies. Young Guns will give you a Hollywood idea of what Henry Newton Brown's life was like. Because now you know the rest of the story. Thanks to IzzyRacketball.com for being a sponsor of today's podcast. If you'd like to purchase some racquetball equipment or even non-racquetball equipment like court shoes, can be used for volleyball, for everyday wear, or for cross-training, go to IzzyRacketball.com, enter your promo code at checkout, Izzy 
10, IZZI10, and you will get 10% off your order, courtesy of The Derek Izzy Show. Remember to write a review on iTunes. Every five-star review gets entered into a drawing, and we will pick one winner each month, and your review will be read by Moses Ronald. Keep telling your friends, tell your family to listen to the show. The more listeners we get, the more episodes we can bring you. And eventually, I'd like to get to a point where we can bring more than one episode a month, but that depends on you and how well you do getting the show out to everyone. So a big thank you for all of the listeners for tuning in and using the sponsors, using those discount codes. You've gotten us to 50 episodes, so thank you very much for that. And until next time, this has been The Derek Izzy Show. Good day. Thank you.